You can get the biggest Chanel back in the store if you want it I gave them the drill, they sucked it up, I got them on it I bought a new paddock, I had the white so I two-tone Taking these drugs, I'm gonna be up until the morning Hello, and thank you for joining us on Building Greatness, The Warrior Way A Westcliff University Athletics Podcast As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris Yay, yay And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University and thank you once again for joining us for another exciting podcast and a thought-provoking one, as we will see coming up momentarily. But we do have to begin by wishing everyone a happy Veterans Day, a very important day in our country's history. And as you know, I am always joined by a former Marine, a veteran, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Ooh, Harris. I'll get some, devil dog. Let's go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, happy Veterans Day to everyone. And, you know, before we get going with our topic of the day, which I think is a very timely topic and an interesting one at that, it is Masters Week. Golf. Time to talk golf, which is an odd time to be doing it in the year because normally the Masters comes up in April. This year, because of the pandemic, moved to November. But the interesting thing about the Masters and its history is that I want to talk specifically about the caddies at the Masters, and there's a reason for that. It's just that, you know, the treasure of golf's past, the black caddies, are vanishing in the era of riches. Now, the interesting thing, through the 1980s, almost the entire decade, the caddies were always black and the players were always white, which is kind of a mandate that they had there. And I want to read you something very quickly from a man named Clifford Roberts, who is one of the club's founders and a longtime Masters chairman. And he said, quote, as long as I'm alive, all the golfers will be white and all the caddies will be black. Who's his name? Now, his name was Clifford Roberts, and he was a Masters chairman. Uh, that, of chairman course, all changed. Of the Masters. So yeah, he, he yeah, never he, won. He was just a gatekeeper? No, no, no. Yeah, well, he was one of the members. Obviously, he he was never the director. He was never on that highest level, but he was one of the guys that sat on the mm. board. And so that all changed, of course, with Tiger Woods in 1997. You know, 20 years after that Woods, man died. Or did it change because the money was different? Tiger brought well, that money in, you know. See, that's the thing. Everything changed with Tiger okay. Woods. I, I, I mean, the money changed, the viewpoints changed, and then the club started allowing black members, which it never did, and its first female black member was Condoleezza Rice. Hey, Interesting. Condoleezza Rice, she's, she's a, a pretty much, she's been involved in everything significant. She has a, a brilliant career. Oh, not just in politics, but in sports. Yeah. She sits on the college football playoff committee. She does. Among, among other things, yeah. And um, what's interesting, that 1997, the win that uh, Tiger had in his first win, he won with a white caddy, and now he has a white caddy. But what people don't know is Tiger's first caddy at the Masters was one of the black caddies. Really? And it's an, there's a really interesting story on ESPN about his caddy uh, who got him around when he was an amateur, when Tiger, before he actually went pro, he picked up a local caddy, and this caddy is kind of responsible for part of Tiger's success early at the Masters, which is a really interesting story, I, I think. I think it is and, because, you know, Earl Woods, his dad, right, mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. probably had a lot to do with that, you know. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, but they were auditioning him, and they even reference Earl. They talk about him saying to the caddy, look, this is an audition, and if you pass – because, you know, you get there on Sunday or Monday and you start practicing. And so they put them together 
And at first, neither of them wanted to be with each other, but they realized how great they were together and how experienced this caddy was. And um, uh, he just absolutely blew both Tiger and his father out of the water, said, you're the guy, you're the guy. And so he stayed around with Tiger the entire first year and Tiger, of course, made the cut. He shot 72 three times, and, and uh, he went on to, obviously, the career that he had. But the real travesty of this is as the years went on, and uh, I want to say restrictions were relaxed a little bit at the Masters, the golfers who were not good enough to make the PGA Tour became caddies. And those that were coming out of college, they could see how things were changing in the 90s because of Tiger. And the black caddies got pushed out of uh, Augusta, where they play the, the Masters. And you are predominantly you, white caddies so break, now because the money down. is so different. So break this down. So you're saying that yeah. the only opportunity for a caddy, for a black caddy, got pushed away because the money changed. And then all of a sudden it was popular for a golfer who couldn't get past Q school, couldn't qualify, was mm -hmm. to become a caddy that ultimately drove out black caddies. Well, that's what I'm reading a lot. A lot of my research I'm finding is that that's kind of what happened mm. to to the cat. If you look at caddies of the Masters, first of all, first of all, it's only recently that, you know, the, the club – Augusta used to provide the caddies for the players during the Masters, and all the caddies were black. Well, they've relaxed that now, and you can have any caddy you want, but there are only two black caddies at the club anymore. And so, you know, typically when you win a tournament or if you are one of the elite golfers and you have a tournament, even if you don't make the cut, you still pay your caddy. And if you win something, you know, the caddy gets anywhere from 8 to 10%. So if you win the Masters in $2 million, your caddy's going to get $200,000 as a I tip I mean, you for, know, it's a, it's a, it is an important, you know, position. I mean, what is it, Bagger Vance, the movie back in the day? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Will Smith, you know, yeah, Matt Damon, right? you bet. Awesome movie. But, you know, let's not, you know, um, caddies are important, right, for golfers. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even though... You know, as you're talking, it may sound like caddies are marginalized, but they're very, very important to a golfer, you know, and everything they do as far as mm -hmm. plotting yardage. And, and it's sure. really, I mean, you know, the golfer is going to make the ultimate decision, but a great caddy can push a golfer over the top. Can oh, we absolutely. agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You bet. Right. It's, just that, it's just that when the opportunity began to change – for caddies. You the money. Um, that, yes, Let's, that, but also the opportunity because, you know, the the field has expanded where tournaments might have only had 78 or 84 players and they now have 144 right. players in tournaments. You know, there's more opportunity to carry bags and there's uh, and there are more opportunity on other but tours. It didn't go the, but it didn't go the opposite way, though, Sherm. That's my thing. Like, it's not like caddies had an opportunity um, that increased for them to be golfers because those golfers... I mean, those caddies wanted to become golfers. They just didn't have sure. an opportunity to do so. So it's not yeah, like they what, increased the number of entrants into Q school for black caddies to become golfers. Right. Because the numbers, we talked about this on previous episodes, right? The numbers are staggering in golf. It's only, what, two, I think you said it was two uh, black 
female. Yeah, there's only three black. Yeah, black players on the PGA Tour right. and four on the LPGA yeah, it's, Tour. It's yeah, crazy. That's crazy. I know, but see, the I I find it coincidental, or maybe it's it. I don't know if that's the right word, but. I'm going to read you this that I'm finding on the internet. Okay. For the older for the older black caddies, the situation is not without its bitter irony. When the prize money was modest, they were the standard. When the money became huge, right. they became disposable. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying. So, let me just right. let our listeners know. So, first of all, our podcast is unique, right? So, number mm-hmm. one, oh yeah. Everything we do here is organically, right? So, if we don't sound like we are as sharp as other podcasts, you know, the hell with you. Because here's the deal. We don't come in here with no pre-script. Um, we don't have no production meeting. Everything you hear from us is straight from our hearts, from the top of the dome, from our knowledge. We, we don't try to be well-scripted and sound perfect because we know common people, common folk are not perfect, right? It is what it is. Two guys, we talk in sports. This is what you get. Um, you know, on the field of play, this is what you get in the in the card ride home. You get real talk, and that's what you get here, right? We could easily do the production meeting and everything that Sherm says. You know, I got enough education; he does too. We can come up with some elaborate, great stuff. You know, so yeah, that can be cool. But you know what? That's that's padded for me. That's that's not real. You know, we get a topic, we talk about it, and we go through it. This is very, very alarming because it comes down to economics. It came down to the point where when when Tiger opened the lid off of golf because they mm-hmm. were getting paid as prestigious, just like tennis, but they wasn't mm-hmm. getting paid no big dollars like other, um, you know, sports because of the ratings, right? And Tiger blew the roof off the ratings, which made an opportunity. And now you have only one opportunity in golf for black folks, right? Pretty much. Let's be honest. Right. Um, and yeah, these are I, probably yeah. aspiring golfers who couldn't be, be a golfer because you couldn't even get a membership at the golf club, right? So, right, right. you know, without picking up a bag, you had to pick up somebody's bag. I mean, mm-hmm. so, and now you get pushed out because the money's different and they say, hey, man, you don't deserve to make this money. That's really mm-hmm. it. They increased, they're not, they didn't increase the opportunity for them to go to Q school to, to become a golfer. They just put them on the sideline. And I think that's the reason why you only have, what, four? You said four LPGA, you know? Four. People of color yeah. and, and three on the um, mm-hmm. PGA. On the PGA Tour, yeah. Which is yeah. embarrassing. That's mm-hmm. embarrassing when you mm-hmm. look at um, where the sport is. And guess what? They don't want to change that. This is, a, this is an old boys club. Let's be honest. It is. It's good old boys <laughs> it club. Is. By the way, I want to give I want to give credit where credit is due. Tiger Woods' caddy is named was named Tommy Bennett. Right. Now that's going back to 1997. I don't even know who the actually hell Tommy Bennett before is, that. but whatever. Yeah, but you know, it's just an interesting article about him and uh, how he got hooked which, up. Which with, is sad. With Tiger. I, I say that to be sad because um, the reason why we heard so much else about Tiger's caddies, you know, from fluff to the other dude, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but they wanted yeah. to take the uh, spotlight, right? Steve, Stevie Williams, yeah, Stevie Williams was kind of you know right? quiet, but Fluff wanted to be the man. He wanted to be yep. as big as Tiger was, and got sat on his ass because he wasn't doing what he needed to do. Exactly right. right. So that's basically exactly what happened. Right. So it's 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 a shame, but you know what? Part of that gone on Tiger. Tiger was in mm-hmm. a position, right? He could have had anything he wanted. 
You know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just talking for me personally, right? Don't get me wrong. I saw the Tiger Woods Academy, you know, go on across this United States. Actually, I, I learned how to play golf through a Tiger Woods Academy, right? In Escondido, California, oh. at a club where they had uh, Tiger Woods gave grant money for, you know, young African American aspiring youth sure and, and men we're gonna have to have a game to be able to have, have it, a, right i'm a lefty we're gonna you know what i'm saying you're i'm not yeah, you and i are gonna have to have a game I'm not a okay you just open yourself hey, up <laughs> you know um but okay. but that's kind of how it is so you know i, I get that but he could have definitely pushed the culture forward more in the spotlight and maybe he did underneath but hey we, we've been running in the underground railroad forever bring that to yeah. the forefront that's all i'm saying you know, he. Uh, we could talk all day on this. We have another topic I want to bring up. But do you think he was in a difficult position with Nike? You in a Nike? difficult position with, when, with, not with Nike. Nike, come on, they they back Kaepernick. No, they, it, this is Tiger, man. This is on Tiger. Uh, this is why I love LeBron. Okay, he he doesn't play those games, right? Who he needs to get paid gets paid. Um, when you bringing in the kind of numbers that Tiger was bringing in, um, you you dictate. The climate. Come on, Sharon. We know this. You dictate the climate. I know, but but I'm wondering how much influence his that Nike had. It was. I know, his but problem. you know, he when he when he wins his first tournament, he stands up there and says, "Well, I guess hello world," yep. which was his ad campaign right. for Nike yeah, back then. So that. how much was Nike controlling his narrative? Well, okay, shame on him. Not know his network. Okay. I mean, last mm. time I checked, Tiger's endorsements is over seventy five million plus. I ain't counting the man money. But I'm telling you, he can create opportunity. He can create opportunity. Oh, sure, now. sure. Yeah, but see, Mike, I guess what I'm really asking is now, after all this established time that he has won, he's the best golfer ever, et cetera. Going back is to the beginning the of his ever? career, I think so. Okay. I think so. All yeah. Right. Uh, is there is there a dispute? Not, Do you have somebody else in mind? I'm not going to dispute it, but I, I know others will. Right. He's oh, still that's chasing. Ridiculous. He's still chasing somebody. Right. Uh, you know what yeah. the the number of yeah I'm, of, I'm just uh, major I'm just tournaments saying, people respect hardware. This is this where we at right? It's about rings, right? Nobody's won more tournaments than I he has. I hear you, but he hasn't <laughs> won his it, golf is about majors, okay. right? Yeah, so okay, he's behind. okay. He's behind. Right. I'm not but saying I'm... I agree with that. I'm just saying he's behind. Okay. Yeah, you know this is this is an interesting topic. Maybe we'll save for another time. Okay. When we have superstar athletes who are now you know very well established, LeBron James, Tiger Woods, how controlled are they at the beginning of their career? I'm not saying I mean, um, they're not going to be pigeonholed for a narrative. I get that, but yeah. Tiger has made enough money, right, to change that narrative in the first three years that Tiger went on. Right when they started changing golf courses. To prevent him from winning, you know he 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 was it at that point, right? That didn't and that didn't work, by the way. No. That played right into his it hands. It, I mean, the tiger proofing. You know of what we was talking about? I don't know who I was talking about this. I think maybe I was talking to um, our associate AD Michael Hardaway. Um, mm -hmm. I was talking about how Tiger said, "Hey, man, you know I'm not going to be VJ Singh. I ain't going to about 80, 80 events. I'm going to about fifteen. Right. You know." Out of that 15, 13 are going to be like major events. Not only are you going to pay me as I show up for just appearing. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm going to take the purse, fees. right? Yeah. right? And I'm going to win about 80% of those things, right, when I come mm -hmm. in. And I'm going to be in the top five of anything I don't win anyway, right? So Tiger was winning from the time he, you know, stopped the cart and jumped out. You know what I'm saying? 
He was winning. Yeah. So oh, he yeah. had plenty of opportunity. I'm sure he's he's still doing it. But I'm just saying, hey, we want visibility now. That's that's why I love the millennials right now. Millennials and the Gen Zs. They saying, hey, you got to show us your taxes. You know, mm. you got to show us your taxes. Mm. We want to see. Yeah. We want to know where you're spending your money. Yeah. A wise man told okay. me, you look at a man's checkbook, you know where his heart is. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, oh yeah, that's an interesting. Let me know where yeah, you're spending your money. Then I tell okay. you what you're interested in. Hmm. Well, you know, as I say, we could we could talk on this topic a lot, and I think we should address it at a future podcast because there there's a lot to talk about with elite athletes and how they are perhaps controlled as they're coming along. And then eventually, what I think is they get a certain amount of success, they get the big contract, it is. and they. And, you know, if you're, it's hard if you're an 18-year-old kid or a 20-year-old kid going right to the NBA. Hey, we can, Somebody, listen. Somebody's controlling you. You're not necessarily con- making all the decisions yourself. Hey, Sherm, this happens every day from the grassroots all the way up in a plight of a young athlete. And it's mm-hmm. up for their camp, right? There are people involved. I'm not talking about yeah. handlers, right, because we got plenty of those. And I'm not saying that people don't need to be handled, right? But it's, I got an interesting take on the journey of a young athlete, male or female. That is a, that's a great segue. That is a great segue to our topic for today. Um, and and let, so let's go ahead and get into that uh, while we're kind of on our way there because we, were, we wanted to discuss today raising and guiding an elite athlete in today's climate. Right. And whether it's today's climate or any climate, quite honestly, but things have changed, obviously, in 2020. Hey, social because media of, or business media, yeah. well, however you want to look at it, has changed sure, the game. Sure, Okay. So the elite athlete of whom we are speaking is Dominic Harris, your your son, yeah. right? Yeah. And he is at Gonzaga right now. He who just got, just got voted the number one team in the nation. Hey, um, you see them Zag boys? Yeah, and they're not, and they're not running from no. it. They're they're playing, they're playing all the blue bloods early in the well, season. They open you, up with Kansas, right? You sure we're not right? a blue blood? You sure we're not a blue blood at this well, point? No, but I'm, but I'm, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, they're they're in that category, yeah, but I mean, absolutely. You know, but we're, we're they're playing, playing the, blue the other are they, blue are bloods. They playing too. us, you know? I mean, like, oh, okay. I mean, all right. When you have, yeah, a, but you know, a track record of Mark Few for twenty years, like, I, is this a debate? Is winning a debate? No, no, I'm not saying that it's a debate, but you know, when you're the number one team, everyone's gunning after yeah, you. I mean, you, so, you're top of the brass. So they're but not. I mean, do you see how humble the Zags have been and the whole staff and everybody's been over the last 20 years? It's not like they just started doing this. Okay. No, and no, of course not. Say, oh, Cinderella, Cinderella, my ass. Right. Well, it's called hard work okay. and dedication. That's what happens when you put in hard work and dedication. When you can self-reflect. Every year and say, last year wasn't good enough. We have to get better. And you can duplicate duplicate that kind of performance and achievement year after year, right? That is excellence yep. at any level. Okay. Okay. But here's what is going to legitimize it. How many championships have okay. they won? Okay. We haven't won a championship. So Charles Barkley is a sucky athlete, right? I didn't I'm say that. I'm just saying, Carl Malone's a He's sucky, a Hall of Famer. Carl Malone is a sucky probably, athlete. But he's probably, he might be the athlete. Is, is John no, Stockton, greatest athlete not to win a championship. Right? So here's the deal. Who puts that title? I mean, they were still winners, right? They still won at a yeah, high absolutely. clip, right? So, absolutely. I mean, so that's what we were talking about, Sherman, even when we were discussing golf. It's what society put down, right? Like you said, that Tiger, the most winning, right, golfer right now, right? But he doesn't have majors, right? Under his belt, he don't have the most majors, so that means he's not the best athlete. 
you said he was. You said he's the best golfer of all time. So I think, yeah, that's my just I, my I opinion. I hear you. So, but mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, winning travels, and everybody want to be around a winner. Mm-hmm. And that program is a winning program. The oh, absolutely, most program, Mark, right? Yeah, Mark Few is unbelievable yeah, what yeah. he's done there, and it's every year, and now it's expected. Yeah. And it's been expected and, for a while now, right? Because everybody say, "Oh, the oh, WCC yeah. is trash," right? That's what they say, right? Let's be honest. Yeah, but then and that's but, not true. The WCC got great talent, just like everyone else. I remember when the Big East was was more popular than the ACC, right? Oh and yeah, now the Pac-12. Yeah. You know, hey, we on the West Coast. It's a Power Five conference. I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. But they've been slamming yeah, the Pac-12 yeah. competition the last couple of years. Right. They have they've been yeah, killing they have. the Pac-12. And then some mm-hmm. may say, you know, the Washington Cougars and some other, you know, Washington State Cougars and some of them may, shouldn't be in the uh, uh, in the, um, the champion because it's the, the champions conference. Right. Pac-12. Right. Conference of champions. Right? Yeah. Bill Walton repeats right, that right. dozens of times. Yeah. Some of them not champions in there. Sure. Yeah, but, you know, it's the total number of national championships of all sports across eons of time. No conference has more of them than the Pac-12. Well you. over 500 national what championships in all sports. What else was it out there sports. besides the Pac-8, Pac-10, and then Pac-12? I mean, but what else is on the West Coast, Sherm? Nothing. There's not. Well, the WCC. Yeah, but, but you so, know, I mean, so it's not like, you know, come on, Sherm. Yeah, but Gonzaga... And and you know what would help their credibility, like St. Mary's, which usually they, puts they together a help, good team. They need help with their credibility. Shit, winning twenty well, years straight, um, multiple but, f- Final Fours, Elite Eights, and Sweet Sixteens. You need help with that resume. No, but what I'm going to say is that they Gonzaga does. They don't duck anybody. They don't. As they, they play Kansas. They play Arizona. They play we Kentucky. Play, they mean, they so go to you, you, so you on the you on my bandwagon, right? That. So, of course. Okay, so here, so, I just want the WCC so, to so, expand so, itself so and let the them deal. play. So here's the deal. Yeah. Right. We are in this sports business, right? You have a great team at West Cliff Baseball. How many universities don't want to play? <laughs> you know, they don't want to sign up for that game. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. We see this all the time. Sign the damn contract. You don't want to sign the contract. And then they want to say, oh, schedules, rankings, whatever. Okay, come on, give it a, don't you want to be the people's champ? Like, it doesn't matter about the results. That's why we love March Madness, because we can have anything that can happen. And that can happen on a night in, night in and night out basis, but the contracts for coaches is so big, and the alumni base, right, will kill them mm-hmm. if they lose. I mean, that's how you have an Evansville beat a Kentucky. Yeah. In, yeah any night, this, this can happen in college sports. Right, mm-hmm. when you want to measure up and see, you know, mano a mano, right, mano y mano, right, right, who, 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 who yeah. want to do it, right, mm-hmm. who want to, who want to bang, who want to get in there and take care of business. I see it all the time in the Twitter, Twitter uh, world. You know, they try to trash the Zags all the time. Sign okay. up, well, yeah. Ain't too many people want to well, park the car up. I mean, Roy Williams did it last year. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, college basketball powerhouse. You you know there are not a lot of powers in the West. UCLA used to be, and they're still a good program, but they're not. Be, with, they're what? Not seven clapping no more. Sure. There's there's still a good uh, still a good program, but when you think of the West, right. and you used to think UCLA first, you don't think UCLA right. first anymore. You think Gonzaga. Do so. You? I, I think hey, the power has shifted. Hey, some, Arizona, people, Arizona, which used to be a perennial top ten team, not happy about what you just said now, right? 
well, we'll let's see what happens this season. Mm. Oregon is favored in the Pac-12 right now as the number one team, and Arizona, which used to be a perennial top twenty-five team, we even is nowhere Arizona? near I know that. That's your alma mater, but can we even talk? I mean, they need to get through the Adidas thing first before I even want to mention Arizona. Yeah, I, I don't know how their head coach still has a job. It, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, you know what? Let's talk about Dom. Okay, okay. Right, right. It, it's in your wheelhouse right. because I remember talking to you about him. Uh, over a few different conversations, yeah. and you did not take the conventional route with him. No. As you have a, if you have a great player coming up, he plays in AAU. Right. You know, goes to all the camps and the showcases, which you decided against. You skipped a few of those really high-profile events. You skipped all of them, pretty much. Why was the only, why the is only that? two that he 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 played in in high school was um, um, top one hundred NBA, you know, and then yeah. uh, Pango's um, okay. event. All star, you know, paying goes event. His right, senior right. year. So, but he was already did, he was already um, you know, verbally yeah, he, committed. He was to committed, yeah. Gonzaga for almost his whole high school career. So um, you know, so we were very uh intentional and purposeful yeah, about yeah. the play. So you already you already had a clear path, so you didn't really need to attend all of well, those. Well we events, did if we wanted you, to get a five star because let's be honest, that that prevented him from getting a five-star, not his talent, right? We didn't sell our soul, you know, um, to the game. You know, you got to, you know, we he'll need a handler, right? So uh, we could have pivoted. We could have not showed loyalty, right? I mean, easily. So here's the deal. We stayed with Dream Vision, right? So Don played in top AAU from eighth grade all the way through, right? So we stayed with Dream Vision um, the whole entire time. And if we probably – could have pivoted to, you know, the Nike um, um, circuit and, and probably could have smashed some people there and, and and things would have changed a little bit different for him. You know, we went small school route. Um, he started the program with Jeff Barakoff over at Pacifica Christian, Orange County, great school. I recommend a lot of folks to go there. Jeff's a great dude. That's family to us at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change. Hell of a coach, right? So, um, you know, so that was really, really unique. Um, you know, and all the doubters and the naysayers were out there because we didn't do the camps. We stayed in the gym, right? So first and foremost, I'll let you know, like, um, majority of the time is single, single home families, and most of them are mothers, right? And the business, not just AAU, but the business of sports normally prey on the ignorance, the lack of understanding of the business of the single mothers who just want to do whatever's best for their family and their kid, right? And normally they're in poverty situations, right? So anytime you have a two-parent household, right, it's a big, you know, that's a big one-off in that business, right? So the first thing the industry try to do in the grassroots is, trying to make it seem like the dads should never be involved, right? Oh, you know, he's a helicopter dad, this and that. No, hell no. He is taking care of his kid, and he's raising his family in the best way possible. That's what what he's doing. But they're not used to having that type of resistance in the basketball realm. It's normally single female homes, one-parent household, poverty areas, handlers, Handling the talent, cutting deals behind the family's back, 
um, packaging them up on the D1 level, right? And um, no benefits to the family, you know, and I'm not talking about monetary. I'm just talking about in general, right? And then normally mom is working her ass off, right? Not understanding sports in the game. And she just relinquished um, pretty much just like sign over a power attorney to, to any of the AAUs and, and coaches and assistant coaches at, on, the, on the college level who manipulate, um, you know, this situation. And it happens all the time. Now, all coaches in this, in this realm are not bad. All AAUs is not bad. They try to blame it on one sector or another. But it happens from high school. It happens from grassroots. And it happens on the college level all the time in the recruiting game. This is just part of it. And um, we wasn't going to, or I wasn't going to, allow that to happen to my son. So um, we popped the trunk like Master P did. <laughs> you know, made him say, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And uh, sold $56 million out the back of the trunk with no distribution. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it is. But, you know, we had great people around us. Um, you know, Clayton, Clay Williams, you know, uh, founder of Dream Vision. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was very, very uh, instrumental, you know, in uh, that process for us. Yeah, um, yeah. Let me, you know, let a lot me ask of you a quick you know, involved. Let me ask you a quick question then. You know, you, you talk about the single mother sin. It's almost a syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's prevalent. Maybe, uh, you see it frequently as you've mentioned, how much input did Dom's mother have in his, not necessarily career, but his path? Well, I mean, we want flesh. I mean, so every decision I'm making, you know, she's there with me. So she was, she was there every part of the way, but she educated herself as we were going through the game. But, my whole family, this is our business. You know, we might not be showcasing like John Lucas and his family. You know, that's a different level, of course. But sure, sure. we hold our own, you know. Um, mm-hmm, we're not, mm-hmm. we not star stargazing or star chasing anybody else. We got a plan. We got an agenda, but it's genuine. You know, the people who I, I deal with are family, okay? They, they are family. Um, so that's that's just how it is. Um you know, make no doubt about it. So mm-hmm. I have genuine okay. relationships. They not transactional. You know, these are folks who I truly care about. You know, who's around us, um, and everybody in this business know how we get down. That's just how it is. So um, we don't gotta kiss nobody's ass to make it. We're just gonna do it through hard work and determination, and we're gonna be educated, and we're gonna make it happen. So you know, Dom's. You know, trajectory was completely different, right? So what happens is when you take a non-traditional route, right? Because here's another thing. And I get writers need to get paid. We have a bunch of writers in West Coast, and and they're good at what they do. They um, put a spotlight, and it's needed, to um, our grassroots and and get kids recognized and things. But I never was a fan of, if you're going to write about my kid, why the hell I got to pay you? Um, for the story that we we actually produce it. Now, you know, so that was one thing that I didn't ever agree with, you know, so that's, but I understand they got to get paid. I think the system needs to change. Um, you know, they can get paid through um, the tournaments that's going on. The showcases mm-hmm. can, can pay them yeah, to be there, yeah. but why would you write an article and then I have to pay money for an article, right? And then why am I concerned about this 
when I know that um, basketball is so comprehensive, the the player who steps on the court in the eighth grade is not going to be the same player that leaves, you know, as a senior in high school if he's continuing to work and putting it in the gym, right? But but I get it, your snapshots, you know, and everything else. So I'm not saying that rankings don't matter because it does matter, right, to a point where we're talking about risk analysis for, you know, GMs and different things of that nature. But, you know, we were never really concerned about that. Um, I knew when I dropped Dom off at, you know, t- at the Zags that he was one of the top guards in the, in the, in the country, right? They just never seen him, you know? So I knew that already. Now, he did get some recognition. I'm not going to say he didn't get recognized because he did. I mean, as a freshman, he was the first freshman to ever win the John Wooden Award in over 40 years at that point. We was at a small school in Orange County. Then people in the community said, oh, you know, his game can't register, you know, at the highest open division level. That was a lie. He averaged 25 points, um, you know, his whole entire time, you know. And he played two two positions, you know. Now they got him slotted as a shooting guard, but he could play the one and the two. Right? You know, hey, so, I, I know the one thing I want to mention is that I know, you know, who did see him actually who saw the bottom of his shoe was James Wiseman. Yeah, yeah. Wiseman, Wiseman looked up and saw the bottom of yeah, his shoe. Yeah, no, that was a you know we we talk about that all the time. That was the best high school game that Dom ever played, and that's saying a lot, right? I'm not talking about his performance, but I'm talking about the environment of Memphis. The game, yeah. Yeah, it was game. it was crazy. That's still the best mm-hmm. game. And and that's saying something because Damian last year, right, the Damian Classic when they played against Sierra yeah, Canyon yeah. was, was ridiculous, right? The environment, the atmosphere was live, but Memphis was just different. And it actually was in Arkansas. You crossed the bridge from Memphis to Arkansas. That's where we played, but that environment was crazy. Yeah, yeah. No disrespect to James Wiseman. James Wiseman, a hell of a player. He's going to what top ten yeah. this year. He's going to be a lottery for sure. He's a lottery pick. Yeah. So that that leads me into my next question. Mm-hmm. Did you consider uh, skipping college and having him try out for a professional league, whether it's the NBA or the G League or somewhere overseas? Was that ever uh, entered into your process? No, no. no. He was always going to go to go to college. No. Well, you know, it's. Um, one thing, so I don't live vicariously through my kid, you know. So um, we, we've we been doing what Dom wants to do for his career. This is his career, right? So okay. my job as a parent is just help pave the way like I do with all my kids. You know, so, I mean, I would be silly to think, like, it's a lot to this game. It's about longevity, right, functionality of basketball and um, you know, you you can if you want to have a long career, it's a lot in this game you have to learn. You have to continue to develop. So, I mean, but we just felt like, you know, Dom wanted to get a college experience and then we picked the Zags because they align for what we believe in as a family. So it's not a stretch. You know, we want every 50-50 ball in our family. We 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 um, dive on the ground for loose balls. We want to be coached, right? Um, so, you know, it was an easy transition for us. We didn't want an easy route. We never had an easy route. I mean, let's talk about um, 
Dom's first two years at Pacifica Christian Orange County, we drove, we were on the road, right, commuting from Marietta to Newport Beach, right? And this is before they had the extension of the fast track. That took two hours to and two hours from. Yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. To to go there, right? But the whole point was I knew that Dom had to grow as a player, and my philosophy was the first two years, especially with a guard, you want them to have total autonomy, right, to do whatever they so desire in their game as they're growing. And I think um, Gilbert Arenas talks about this a little bit where he made the reference of, were you more scared of a pit bull on a chain or a pit bull just running around, right? And, you know, having the ability to to grow their game in any capacity, any shots they were thinking they want to take or they can feel like they could take, right, could could uh, help them grow their game. And he referenced Steph Curry and Dame Lillard and some other guys, right? And, and Arenas himself was a hell of a player, right? So, you know, and then you know that, hey, you got to learn a system. You got to get involved. So I was really, really strategic because Don was at Rancho Christian in the eighth grade. So it's not like we found Rancho Christian. We was there beforehand, right? And then I just decided I took a job with Vanguard, and I decided to pull him selfishly. This was selfishly. I didn't want to fight traffic to get home to to see him play. You know, I pulled him up there, and it was a great opportunity. And Richard Vargas, who's a part of uh, our staff now, you know, mm-hmm. recommended um, Jeff Barakoff and Pacifica Christian. And, and at that point, they didn't have a varsity program. So we knew that Don was going to have to pull, put this team on his back. But, you know, still at that point, you know, even Jeff Barakoff didn't know what kind of talent he had because Don was still really pretty much untouched at that point. But those who were in Dream Vision knew, right, because um, Dom was on, you know, he actually came off the bench on one of the best freaking 15U teams that I think was ever put together in California, which was a hell of a team. If you go back and look at all the dudes that was on the 15U Dream Vision team, all of them, pretty much all of them were playing D1. So it was a hell of a team, you know, um, and Dom came off the bench on that team. Um, so if that tells you any damn thing, uh, that was a yeah. hell of a talent. And, um, you know, so Barakov took a took a chance, you know, with us and our family. And um, I didn't regret the situation. I don't believe he did. I can't speak for Coach, but Coach is, you know, he family. I don't think he he uh, disagreed or looked back with any kind of regret. And um, it, okay. it was, I mean, Don went to, um, you know, to the finals of the CIF, you know, Division Six. The first year we ran across the, a team that was uh, deemed ineligible but became eligible right before um, Go fig- yeah. Yeah. Imagine Carnegie, that. Yeah. Yeah, Carnegie yeah. High School. Then they de- disassembled them afterwards. So Dom could have had a championship his, yeah. his freshman yeah. year, but well, it didn't happen. Well, here, here's a question that, you know, um, it, the, the allure of the fame and the fortune, and, and how did you stay grounded enough as a family, and in particular Dom, to not go the Brandon Jennings route or the Danny Ferry route yeah. where, you know, you Brandon Jennings, which is an anomaly, you know, that's obviously right. the exception or even the ball brothers, right. you know, they, they said, forget college. We're going to go play overseas. We, we're going to do, know, here's the deal. So some people think we didn't have the opportunity. 
but we did. No, no, no. But, no, but, I'm but, saying but, you but did. What I'm saying how is, do you how do you turn down that kind it, of cash? It's people in the industry, right? Because we keep it really, really, really close to the vest, my family. So not many people like this is probably the most I've ever spoke publicly about what we do, ever. Out of, okay, out of the I got you out. Of, did I? No, did no, I get no, you no. out of your comfort zone? No, no, no. I'm not out of my comfort zone. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with this, right? Okay. Because it's the facts, right? So we had an yeah, opportunity, yeah. you know, with the G League teams. We had an opportunity to bounce early. Yeah. We had those yeah. opportunities, you know. But those people who know me don't entertain that shit to me because they know that's not even what we're about, right? Mm. So that's not even in the cards. But the reason why you can stay humble, man, because I worked my way through college athletics, right? from high school, you know, varsity basketball to the back of the bus, you know, as a volunteer at the JUCO level, so on and so forth, all the way through. So we understood and recognized the game, right? So we understood that. And, and um, you know, um, so, you know, just great, just listening and seeing and observing. And, and nothing wrong with those who actually went there. Now, I'm not saying that we had B. Jennings money on the table, you know, and it didn't matter what kind of money, amount of money, that we had on the table, you know, if it wasn't generational and it didn't work for my family, then we wasn't going to do it anyway. Right. So it has to make sense for him. This is his life. Right. So yeah. that's the difference. I think that's also like Dom don't have to make it right. Um, and go to the league next year or, or be in a draft, you know, we're fine. You know, saying the family's fine. He can enjoy his college experience, but I think he's going to shock some people. Right. And I think he's going to have a hell of a chance to have an opportunity to, uh, you know, be a professional in this game if God's willing and he continues to put in the work. But his development, he's a late bloomer. He's a late bloomer. And, mm -hmm. and those who know this game understand that late bloomers make the best pros. And he's a late bloomer. So, OK, we'll see. So we'll see how it turns out for him. Okay, so you know, while we're talking about that progression, um, you know, I, and I'm not saying one and done, but there might be an opportunity before the end of his college experience to move on. Yeah, and and, and I'm sure you have somewhere along the line as a family, you're going to address it if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know how important education is to you. Uh, you know, we talk about that frequently, GPAs, keeping our student athletes eligible, and uh, if they're not, what we're doing in order to get past that mark. But you know. What happens if the opportunity presents itself after, say, his junior year? Yeah, I think you take a look at it. Well, you're talk when you talk about generational wealth, and yeah. I have this argument with my mother all the time. My mom comes from an educational background. She worked with the United States Academic Decathlon for years. Um, and so, you know, education is big in our family. And she says, you need to have your degree. You need to get your education. And I argue with her all the time. You go get a degree to find a job that will pay you millions of dollars a year if you're fortunate enough. Can you just skip that middle process and go right to the big contract? Or if you have a chance to get there sooner rather than later, why wouldn't you take that? No, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think you do secure the bag now that you can even pursue your education through an app on your phone, right? You can yeah, get educated. That's true. But yeah. at the end of the day for us is, you know, you make that decision on your knees first. You know, that's our mm -hmm. my opinion, right? Okay. okay. And then it's Dom's opinion. You know, Dom's decision, excuse me. He's, it's his decision. Yeah. And my job is to present the pros and cons, right, of that decision. Now, the great thing is we're educated, right? Dom has a brother who's a certified NBA agent. 
Right. He has right, a dad right. that's been through this business already. We have our own companies, right? We're doing our own business. We got our between the lines entertainment, right? You've seen uh, Fresh Focus with, you know, the Dominate series, right? So we're heavily invested um, in the process and we understand and we're aware, right, of how it, how it is. So we're we're not just fishing. We've been hunting. And this just didn't happen overnight, right? This has been happening forever, and we help other families achieve these things too. So, I never wanted to be an AAU director. That was never my deal, right? Even though I think I would be a hell of an AAU director, that's not my deal, right? So, that's not my lane. That's not what God has put on my heart for me, right? So, okay. but I understand that climate, climate, and we're not naive to the politics and things that happen, you know, because normally you don't get out of California being a four-star athlete without going through writers and go through AU handlers, right? Yeah, there's a we, process. We didn't do that. Yeah. Like, so we didn't get, you know, which is probably like, if we will let Clay, uh, if Dom didn't pick the Zags, I'm sure Clay would have had plenty for Dom. You know, far oh, as yeah. that. he, that's what he does. He had other school. He oh, had yeah. other schools. Yeah, that's that's you know. what he does, right? So, we we probably a lot of people probably say, man, you know, hey, you know, Sean, man, you, you back then they were saying, Sean, why you why you why y'all commit so early? You commit so early, then you you wake up two days ago, and you're in the number one team in the country. The hell are you talking about, man? Mm, <laughs> let me tell why. you how. Yeah. Let me tell you how this process worked. You know, not only did we know the culture and everything about the Zags, first and foremost, right, and everything aligned, right? So it got confirmation, right? So we actually looked on Synergy for the last five years, looked at Dom's game, looked where we thought we could get him, and we made an educated decision on schools that will best fit and serve his ability to grow and enhance his game, right? And the Zags were number one on that list. So that's how that went down. How how many games are you going to attend? Every damn game that God allowed me to attend. <laughs> you know, All right. um, you know. So um, I'm heading to Florida on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, nice. Um, okay. To see the Kansas tip off. Yes. And then oh, Auburn the day after. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be there right. in a while. And you know, so we okay. didn't come in as a five star, right? So. Yeah. Um, on the 31 win team, you know, some I, I I see all these articles about how many minutes. You know, Dom's going to get if he's ever – if he's going to play or not play. Look, that's the coach's decision, okay? Mm. All right, I'll talk Zag basketball now because we're on staff. That's disrespectful to the coaches and everything else. But what I will say is that I trust Mark Few and Tommy Lloyd and the coaching staff with my son's career. So whatever they decide for him while he's a Zag is what's going to happen. Okay. Point blank. Okay. Now, what we do on the flip side is, right, my family, right, and the things that we do is we continue to develop and get better and train, develop, and get better. So Dom has been doing that since the eighth grade. And if you look at any player in California and maybe even in this country, I don't think any player has made a bigger jump and has risen to the occasion because of the level of his training than Dom. Right. Look at it, you know, shoot, pass. Um, they said he couldn't play with bigs. We played with plenty of them. Um, the mm -hmm. dream vision, the dream vision 
um, you know, five that we played this last year was crazy. Maker, you know, you Maker on there. You name them, right? I mean, shoot, I, I can't even think of all the dudes that was on there, right, that he's played with, all the top players. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. And he's held his own, right, and did his thing. So know, know your role and know your lane. So my job is – is to support the coaching staff. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care if he go out there and, and shoot a, you know, just be poor. It doesn't matter. You're not going to hear me ever dog out um, what few and the coaching staff have, right? Okay. It's just a part of the process. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care if it looks blatantly like, you know, Dom should be out there starting. If that's not what the coach says, that's that's what it is, man. We don't cry about that. All we do is stay ready so we don't have to get ready, continue Mm -hmm. to put in the work, and the opportunities will come. Work your ass off. But one thing I tell you, because everybody knows Dom is being a scorer, right, on the court, hell of a finisher, can do a lot of things. His his defense, man, is probably his best attribute. And that's saying a lot because he's a hell of an offensive player. But he's going to have the ability to be an elite defender. And when that activates, it's going to be something crazy because mm-hmm. he has crazy unique lateral quickness, long arms, and he's feisty as hell and great timing. So he's going to have a good a, thing. He got it's a good thing he got his mother's hey, side. Hey, listen here. I doubled down <laughs> on that. I doubled down on that. You know, my, my wife uh, ran track, she did her thing, she's athletic. Um, but, you know, he got my feet. I always had good feet. I got sweet feet. All right. Well, I want to ask you a question about him off the court. Right. What Yeah. What kind of grades does he get? What's his he major? Did. Yeah, he did. He got on honor roll. He's, you know, I don't worry about the grades at the Zags. You have to have a 3.0 and above to keep your mm-hmm. scholarship there. But, you know, he's he's a good athlete. He has to work in the classroom, though. You know what I mean? He's he's not like me. I could just take tests and, and, and do good at tests and play around and stuff like that. But he works Equally as hard, you know, um, you know, in the classroom, like mm-hmm. every freshman, I'm sure he's getting challenged right now, right? Sure. Um, yeah. In yeah. writing and everything else, and and, and it's crazy because I always commend our athletes because they're the billboard of, you know, um, the university. Not only do they have to be great students in the classroom, but 24 seven they're under the microscope, right? Mm-hmm. And and especially oh, yeah. for him, you know, now. AP number one basketball team as a freshman, right? You're trying to you're on a 31 win team. You got upperclassmen there. Nobody's giving you anything, right? And you're in a great culture environment. So, you know, we we we're not never. I can tell you this, and I can tell you this confidently, that Dom would never ever transfer out of Gonzaga. Hmm. He would never transfer out of there. You know, so when Dom leaves the Zags, it'd be to play professional ball mm-hmm. some some okay. some programs you can't transfer out of and the zags is one of those like wh- where else will we go like yeah there's there's nowhere else to go but down yeah i mean they i mean if you want to take a bunch of shots you know we can and young and when dom, yeah, you know when dom yeah. was young in his career right you know um at pacifica christian right he had to take a lot of shots it was like the iverson effect but you know when he you know, Ray Bearfield did a great job with Dom um, at Rancho Christian. You know, mm-hmm. he really, really did a great job of polishing him up as an individual. And then that, accompanied with his work ethic, allowed him to soar. But what it did was um, 
you know, Dom Dom got down to about 20. He got down to probably about 20, 20 points a game, 25 points a game, but on maybe 12 shots, right? So it became way more efficient, right, and, and started to become a better complete basketball player. And that was under Ray Bearfield's um, coaching, right, and, and the way he see the game. So, you know, kudos to Ray Bearfield at Rancho Christian for helping Dom achieve that. He only played – a season and a half with him, didn't get a chance to play too because of the California um, restrictions of transferring and stuff like that. But if you look at every major game on every big stage, you're going to see um, Dom uh, cream of the crop um, playing his position. So, but that's that's great coaching, man. Great coaching. Yeah, and, and you know the mark of a great player is to make the players around him better. Yeah. And so if he takes less shots and scores less, obviously he's going to have more assists. And so, you know, if it's more of a team effort, it's hard to win with just one guy. Kansas with Danny Manning, you know, those are exceptions. Obviously guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But – and you can have great point guards that lead. And if you look at the history of NCAA Division I champions, most of them had great point guards when they they won the championship. So you need – you need that leadership. Yeah, and you know, Don plays the two, even though he can play the one. He plays the two. Yeah. Um, you know, we we debated that in our family forever, right? That would I was going to ask you. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Dom, yeah, you know, but but here's the deal: on the pro level is where his game is really um, equipped for. You know, pistol sets, floppy, you name it. His game is really built for the pro level space. Um, you know, so you know, I, I was kind of to your point. I was kind of skeptical about college because. College and the pros is, are polar opposite, and we have trained Dom his whole life to be a pro, right? So, um, you know, so I was skeptical of how it's going to translate, you know, into college because I know his game is built for the pros, you know. Uh, I know that. So, um, you know, and that's where he's probably going to see his most success is playing professional, you know. And I'm not just saying the league, the NBA, I'm saying just as a pro. Yeah. 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 Do you think do you think he's a number one or number two at the professional level? Um, shit, it don't matter now the way they play him. You know, well I guess it depends on know. the team and their system yeah. and their head coach. Yeah, he, you know, he has just, similarities of uh Dame 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 Dollar, you know, Dame Lillard. Dame, they got Dame some Lillard, similarities, yeah. you know, in their game. Um, you know, some kinda had them, you know, paced, you know, with a little bit of Zach Levine and you know, mm. um, the scoring mm. ability like uh, Lou Williams or, or Jamal Crawford. But we just like mm. to say, man, you're a ball player, man. If you can ball, you, you can ball. But, yeah. you know, here's the deal. Those are all great players. Dom still needs to raise his level, right, of attention, you know, to detail so he can become one of those great players. So um, he got to continue to hit open shots, right? You know, he got to continue – to learn this game is so comprehensive, right? So I, I never like to talk pros because it takes so much to be a pro. And that's really disrespectful to those guys who made that transition. But I will tell you, he has every attribute, right, to be able to eventually um, get to that destination if he continues to work hard. How old is he right now? 19. Nine, he is 19. Yeah, okay. yeah he's 19. Did you hold him back at all? Yeah, well, Dom, um, he did um, eighth grade over, so. 
Okay. Because yeah. I have, my best friend has three kids and they were all born in successive months of July, yeah. August, September. He held them all back on purpose yeah. so that they would turn 18 at the beginning of their senior year and be 18 the entire time. Yeah. Well, so let me, that was his plan. No, well, I, I can't take any credit for, for that, okay. that plan. So the deal is um, when Dom was in seventh grade, he, um, you see some things um, on social media where it says, let's go Dom. Well, he got diagnosed, um, misdiagnosed with cardiomyopathy. Wow. And that's so a misdiagnosis. It was My a misdiagnosis. Goodness. And UCLA made the, the correct diagnosis, but he spent 11 months with a heart monitor on every day. And he couldn't oh, actually uh, do any uh, sports at all. Yeah. Yeah. So um, okay. he had to overcome that. And then um, it was a really scary time for our family at that point. You know, um, as he was going to seventh, and they, they think it was eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade, whatever. But he lost a whole, a whole year of not being able to do anything at that point, and it was a scary time for me and my wife. And um, um, that's that's kind of, that's the first time I talked about this uh, publicly, besides people who know that that story. Yeah. So um, mm. Radies had diagnosed him with that, and then um, this was during the same time as Poole in San Diego had fell yeah, and collapsed, yeah. right? So that right. was the same year when, when Poole fell and collapsed. And um, so we went on, and I was going to take him back east to John Hopkins all over the place trying to figure it out. And um, I talked, you know, read the story about uh, Channing Fry and everything else. And so we found a UCLA doctor, which actually broke this type of cardiomyopathy that they thought Dom had. So we're on the elevator coming out and we see pool coming down right the elevator so we knew it was at the right spot and then we get to ucla and um ucla um doctor came in he was like hey i know your family has had a hard time you know today we we got every doctor here every doctor that we have in in, in cardiology is here and we're gonna you're gonna walk out of here today and know exactly what's going on with your son so we spent 10 hours in UCLA that day, 10 hours, hmm. right? And they came back. It was like 930, 10 o'clock at night. That's how long it took. So we were there from hmm. like 7 to – it might have even been more than 10 hours, right? Um, doctor comes in and said, hey, you don't have cardiomyopathy, right? Wow. My whole family, including myself – we just cried. Yeah. We just cried and joy. Emotional. Right. And then second, um, the doctor said, now that we got you covered and cleared, if you get an opportunity, you have to sign with UCLA. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh man. So that's terrible. So let me tie this all together. So the week, so the week before, um, we go to the Zags, right. Um, UCLA is really, really on Dom at this point. So mm-hmm. I said, Dom, are you going to honor what you said? Because at that time he said, yeah, I signed with him. You know, he was so happy, right? And, you know, and Dom was like, I don't know, Dad. You know, it's kind of different. You know, Alfred was there. And um, they had got rid of um, um, a, a great coach, uh, David Grace, that week. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere mm-hmm. around there or something. And um, so, but Dom decided to be – the week that he was – going to an unofficial visit 
for the Zags was the same week he got offered by Georgetown and UCLA was mm. really cranking it up and USC was in a mix, but I don't think we were the, we were the, we were their cup of tea at that point. Okay, because um, it's so early. You got to understand this is tenth grade. You know, this is after ninth grade, tenth grade. It's really really young for recruits, right? Then nobody want to make a decision at that time. Normally, you do it your junior year. So nobody wanted to bite early. I wonder how they feel about it now. You know, when you yeah, come out yeah. of you know top one hundred kid, number eleven in your position position and in, in the country and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of how that went down, man. So of that's course, a, you know, uh, you know, we you know never looked back. He never had any any problems from there. It was a misdiagnosis, but it really really changed our our family's um, you know. Dynamics. The dynamic, yeah, yeah absolutely. It made him more um, eager and willing, you know, because he got the game taken away from him from 11 months. Mm -hmm. So at that point, we had to restart over, you know. So we got back in the gym. After the diagnosis, we got back in the gym 30 days later. It only makes sense because he missed so much of school. So he wouldn't have been on track to graduate, right, because we just missed so much school from eighth right. grade. So I want to make sure that he got his base back because you got to figure yeah, yeah. when you're doing this, schools wasn't set up, you know, from homeschooling at this point, right? We understand that now because online schooling is tough, right? So that's how we 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 went ahead and got him back right academically and it just so happened to play out. But to be honest with you, his birthday's in January, so he was right on track. Oh, it's coming up, so he's going to be twenty soon. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. The third of January, so he, you know, I'm, he was right I'm on really... track now for what traditional basketball players and football players do. Okay. But but that was the story behind it, you know. And, and Ray Bearfield talked to me about it, and he's the one that convinced me that that would be in the right um, right decision for Dom and my family, and he was absolutely correct. So, mm -hmm. shout out to Coach Burfield for uh, yeah, yeah, because that was not even on my radar. So I can't sure. take any credit for that. You know, when we have a little more time in another podcast, I'd sure like to dive into the recruiting process yeah. and what took place from school to school where Dom is concerned. You know, when you when you hear the words cardiomyopathy and you think. Well, when you think sports, the one name that pops into my head, especially where basketball is concerned, there's a couple of them. Exactly. Yeah, Hank Gathers, yeah. Loyola Marymount, yeah. you know, with Bo Kimball. He was he was on his way to being the first player ever to lead the nation in both scoring and rebounds. I think uh, Will Chamberlain did it at Kansas. But, you know, there there's just – it just is a heartbreaker. And then, of course, Len Bias, you know, there's a few – that, that fall into that court category. Yeah. And Len Bias and Hank Gathers were my two favorite college players of all time in that order. Yeah. Len Bias, you know, when he beat North Carolina single-handedly, put 35 in, it was unbelievable. And Hank Gathers scored 44 with that Westfall up-tempo up offense that was just awesome. Yeah. It was it was great well, yeah, to we, watch. We were extremely thankful that, that that's not what it was. And, oh, and, yeah. Um, you know, but I'm talking about, Sharon, we probably had over 20 um, – uh, echograms, cardio echograms. You know, like yeah. it, it it became very very expensive, man. I have over mm. two hundred some pages of medical bills that that I oh racked up during that time in that year. But look, when this year kid, you, you're gonna do whatever the hell you need to do. Oh, absolutely. You know? But the misdiagnosis would just absolutely it was. So because what off. what happens is you get to mitigation at that point. Nobody want to risk it, right? But thank God the UCLA because they discovered it. You know, and they seen it, and 
once we went through everything, man, he was good, and we never had a, any problems since then. That's over five years ago. Yeah, but yeah, well, that's, no follow-ups I mean, that, or nothing like that. It was just a misdiagnosis, man. And but I what it know, did was it just changed our whole dynamics and our whole family synergy, right? And um, sure. you know, look at him now. I mean, that's just yeah. you know where we at with that. But you know, that's kind of uh, what happened. You know, that's the story. Yeah, yeah, that's a. A interesting story that very few people know. No, that's and the so, first time that we talked yeah. out, you know, that I've talked on a, a platform like this about, but it's not something that we we're we're, we're trying to hide or anything like that. It's nothing to hide. You know what I'm saying? It's, no, I, of it's course, just it's just a course. part of, you know, what what happened and how it went down, but um mm-hmm. since then cautionary tale. Yeah, yeah cautionary yeah. tale. Yeah, yeah, since but, then it's it's been nothing but love and admiration. Mhm. Well, I'm glad it all worked out, and we have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Keep an eye out for Dom because he'll be on Thanksgiving TV a whole Day, Fox lot. Sports. Yep. Fox Sports. Okay. Fox Sports right. One is um, covering it. You know, that's the first game against Kansas. First is that game against Kansas. You know, okay. first game against Kansas. Um, you know, I have no predictions. You know, um, I know some of my friends are asking me, "Oh man, what Dom's gonna do?" Look, I don't know what Dom's gonna do. I'm out the mix, mm-hmm. man. Uh, that's uh, for Coach and his staff to figure out. But this is what I'm gonna tell you. I will say this. If Hollywood, that's what we call Dom, that's Dom's nickname uh, internally, <laughs> okay. right? He's, All right. And, and I could tell you that story another day. It has nothing to do okay. with sports. But if Hollywood, right, get the ball and he gets a chance going downhill, I guarantee you it's going to be a poster. Hmm. I'm here to tell He'll, you that. He's, he's going to fill it up? And what I'm saying to you is I see he's going to fill it up. This is what oh, I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Right? And not, right. not that he don't have that ability. I'm just not putting that on him, right? Okay. So, you know, I don't know their schemes in their office. That's with him and Coach. I'm sure he what, – what I can tell you is he's going to do exactly what Coach asked him to do, right? So he's always going to do what's required. He's just a humble kid like that. But this is what I'm telling you. If he gets an opportunity to go downhill, right, on a dude in that game, if he gets a chance to play in that game, I guarantee you it's going to be a poster. Mm. It'll end mm. up on ESPN. I can guarantee you that. Well, we're probably going to be seeing a lot of him That's on television, on he ESPN, He's fearless, top 10 man. of the week. He's fearless. Because, okay. see, what you don't realize is when he dunked on James Wiseman, the 7-1 James Wiseman, that was his junior year. He's a whole different athlete now. Mm-hmm. That was his junior year, man. If you look through the posters, man, you can see some more in there. But he's just that type of athlete, man. So. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited, excited to see for him play. Him. I've never seen him play in person I'm or even excited. on TV. I'm so. excited for him. So looking forward to that. You and your family, boy. Yeah. That's going to be an exciting time. I'm gonna be happy, man. I'm gonna be somewhere in those stands of God's will and yelling. <laughs> ain't gonna be nobody in <laughs> Maybe there. They, so they might kick. They me might out. show you. Yeah, they might show you on TV. They show the parents of athletes all the time at Dang. football games and basketball games. That would be great. Well, I better make sure on. you're wearing. Make sure you're wearing your Westcliff logo. <laughs> Ghost stuff. Now, you, know, if you're, uh, you know that's not going to happen. You know that's not going to happen. I'm going to be zagged from the head to the toe, man. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to be zagged out, man, that game, man. I'm you, a, I'm a zagaholic now, man. Can't wear the, you can't wear the West Coast baseball cap? You know what? I, I can wear that in between half halftime. How about that? <laughs> okay. Halftime, I can do <laughs> okay. that, man. They're probably not even serving um, popcorn, you know? Yeah, maybe, probably not. You know, it's, it's probably. Be a, it's listen, a, it's I'm a just. different sports listen, landscape. Man, God God really, really answered my prayers because I wanted to just to be in the building for my son's first game because I knew how hard he's worked to get to this point, to put on a uniform. I'm not talking about playing. 
So, you know, don't get me confused, you know, with other parents. It don't have to look a certain way for the Harris household, right? We understand the blessing is that you were picked out of millions of kids, right, just to play on the D1 level. We're thankful for that. Now, do Mm -hmm. we have an internal expectation of greatness? Absolutely. But his first job, before anything, is to do exactly what his coach is asking him to do. And that's where his responsibility lies. Don't don't lie on anything that I got to say. And don't lie about anything that the media has to say. It only relies on internally, in-house, because I'm not in that business. Whatever coach is asking him to do is what I expect him to do. And I don't expect him to do anything less than what the coaching staff asks him to do and be mm-hmm. the ultimate bulldog while he's at the Zags. And- Period. I'm sure he'll do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll do that. And they're and the Zag. Well, you know, they're they they only get the best, and so he's in he's in with the best. And I'm sure and, he'll raise his. And he's continue like my family, man. All we do is support and bring great athletes to the program. That's what we do, man. And um, and we're we're sold out. Like I said, it can be this. We can be talking at the end of the season, and Dominic Harris have zero minutes played, and you're gonna hear me say the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. gonna change. Well, he's got quite a bright future, so we'll keep an eye on that. I appreciate that. And as always, I would like to thank my guest host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And the gentleman who makes us sound good each and every time we do podcasts, that is Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast, and please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics, and we thank you for your support. And keep an eye out for the next podcast.